Welcome to The Road Less Traveled. I am your host, DB, and today's episode is If You're Going to Prison. Uh, I guess this is a how-to on how to survive or little tips that will get you through. I never thought I'd be going to prison, and I totally needed some advice. So I talked to everyone around me. I don't know if anyone's listened to my prior episodes, but as a quick recap, I did two years in county jail awaiting sentencing. I was then sentenced to six to 20 years, um, but having done uh, about 709 days credit time served, uh, I was looking at another three or so years before I would be eligible for house arrest. Now, that's a big chunk of time. That, at the time or currently, is about a sixth of my life. So it's a significant amount. And people are highly adaptable. You either sink or swim. Most of us kind of float. You know, we swim, we fit to our surroundings, we hopefully grow, but we get by. And I was able to get by, thankfully. I was able to get through. Now, I made this joke a few times because uh, people have asked me, like, oh, hey, how was, was prison? Like, how was it? And I say it's just like the movies, uh, which is true. Like, it is just like the movies. Movies, of course, are showing usually the most extreme, harshest, um, most, I guess, entertaining scenario because otherwise there wouldn't be much drama honestly a majority of prison is just extremely boring it would be the equivalent of trapped in say like a middle school slash high school type surroundings but you just could never leave you're stuck in a very tiny confined area Um, but your unit where you're living is more or less like the size of a large dollhouse as if it would you know fit humans and it's sectioned such that it's two floors and each cell has two bunks so you can imagine there's about 70 to 80 people per unit and the wings are divided as such that each unit is um has basically a a secondary unit that it's attached to Everything is sectioned off by a sally port, which has uh, metal doors that open and close based off the control room that oversees the two units. But other than that, that's basically where you live. You have a sink, which is attached to your toilet. And that's about it. You got your bed and you got a desk, which is more or less a shelf. So it's just highly boring. You know, most people I talk to, they said people aren't getting stabbed, people aren't getting raped, like, just because. It's not just, it's not like an initiation, generally. It's not like, hey, welcome to prison, stab. Hi, how are you, rape. It's not that. Because it would be absolutely insane if that was all that was going on. It would be absolute anarchy. There has to be some semblance of normalcy, some sort of routine. Like I said, it's more or less boring. They control when they wake you up, when you go to sleep more or less by the lights, when they feed you. So routine is established. And then you have yard times where you're allowed to go out. Uh, Usually it's no more than one hour a day, Uh, at least to the actual yard. You are allowed outside in the unit uh, two or three times a day, depending on if you're locked down. So when I was talking to people 
um, they said, and I, I'll always remember this. This was his name was Calvin. He was a hardcore heroin addict, in and out repeatedly because of his addiction. Uh, he was Native American, and I did notice, at least in my region or state where I was in, uh, quite a few natives. Almost every single one of them had some sort of uh, drug addiction or alcoholism in their case. And it was tragic. It was sad. And a lot of them were so like self-aware. They're like, this is just the lifestyle. This is just what we do. And it's specific to them. I'm not saying that's, you know, across the board. But you would find, you know, other races where all sorts of things, all sorts of other factors. But specific, unfortunately, to our area, we had reservations and whatnot. And that's Unfortunately, what I saw a lot was uh, mostly heroin, mostly meth addictions. Uh, sometimes people trying to balance the two. Uh, and I'm, I really truly believe I haven't seen him. He, I, he always believed he was going to die. He believed he was going to overdose, and maybe he did. I don't know. But the advice he gave me always stood out because it was so simple. It was so straightforward. He said. It's very easy to get through prison. All you have to do is be respectful. Thank you. I'm sorry. Excuse me. You will get you most of the way, he said. That's it. Just be respectful. And also mind, obviously, who you're talking to. And, of course, what you're saying. Like, the word bitch. I love that word. It's just such a fun word and it was something i couldn't say in prison or jail it is an insanely disrespectful term to be throwing around and if you call someone a bitch you better be ready to fucking fight like get your shoes on we're going to the bathroom let's fight and i say that uh because that is where the fights occurred people would go to the bathroom because there's no cameras in the bathroom so that's basically where thunderdome was held you would go to the bathroom and you would actually put your shoes on because normally we would have to wear shower slippers um, or sandals, which you wore in the shower, of course. So you wore rubber fucking slippers the entire time. And once you got to prison, you could buy your own shoes and all that fun stuff. But in jail, you had to wear the shower slippers. You were only allowed to wear shoes and rec time. And the slippers gave you absolutely no grip whatsoever. So if you saw two people wearing shoes going to the bathroom, or generally it was like a group, sometimes you'd have people moderate it to keep it somewhat fair, somewhat in check, um, or just to look out uh, in case like COs were on their walk or whatever. But if you saw people wearing shoes going to the bathroom, some shit was about to go down. And you just went blind and deaf at that point. You had no idea what was going on, even if anyone asked you, hey, did you see what happened? What happened? Huh? I wasn't paying attention. So, I never was thankfully in that sort of situation. I saw it tons of times, and it was usually like that's how business was handled. It was generally because people had outstanding debts, uh, people had been disrespected. It was a way to pe uh, excuse me put people back in check. I never got into debt. Very simple rule. A lot of people, at least in jail, they would rack up certain debts, borrow things from people, because we were not well-fed. We were very much underfed. I don't care about the variety of food. We're not supposed to have an exciting life. <laughs> I mean, we're incarcerated. We fucked up. 
at least most of us, I'm sure there's a couple innocent people that I was with, but generally speaking, most of us belong there. So we are not entitled to, you know, fun, flavorful things. However, a certain minimal standard of nutrition as well as caloric intake should have been met. It wasn't. I think I spoke on that in one of my earlier episodes. Uh, So I'm not talking about variety and fun here. I'm just talking about like I am six feet tall. I went in weighing about 155, which is not that much for my height. And I dropped down to 136 in my two-year period. That's terrible. (laughs) That was my weight going to prison. It's significantly under where I should be. Malnutritioned, waking up tired, vitamin D deficiency because I couldn't get sunlight. Wonderful things, but I digress. So prison was actually something to look forward to, as scary as it sounded, you know, on paper and out loud, like, hey, I'm going to prison. Sounds scary, but compared to jail, jail is a mind-numbing psycho circus of just people babbling incoherently at full volume at all hours for your entire stay. That's basically jail. That is the simplest way to put it. And you're surrounded by, unfortunately, the lowest common denominator of both education, health, respect, just like all of it is the lowest common denominator of any factor you can put against it. I mean, you also meet some of the best people I've ever met. It's a strange like spectrum. Um, but I was always told from everyone around me that prison prison is is like a huge step up it's like such a i don't know such an improvement to jail and the reasoning behind that it didn't quite make sense at first but it did when i started you know knowing more of what to expect uh the people who had been through the system before uh were able to give me some peace of mind give me some expectation and they said the reason is because jail is not set up for long term So anyone who's fighting their case for any more than a few months is slowly going to lose their mind and slowly lose the will to live, which is not an exaggeration. That's a different episode. It is a much longer conversation. But if I was facing any length of time, like significant, like real true time, like 20 plus years, I had those thoughts. And like I said, different episode. That's not what this one is about. But it was a realistic conversation in my head. I am completely in the right state of mind. It was a thought, a rational thought. So they said that it, jail is not set up for long term. That's why I didn't have access to vitamins. That's why I didn't have access to certain things like uh, appliances, like um, of any value. Like you could get little tiny things like you could get, I think, uh, like an alarm clock, and you could kind of get a mirror that was mostly like aluminum foil. It was shit. Um, You could get, uh, I think you could get slightly better razors. That might have been prison, excuse me. Like it kind of blends together. The stuff that you could get in jail was like super limited. You could get little pencils. You could get really shitty flex pens, which were like basically the size of golf pencils and barely worked. I used about 50 plus of those things to write a book. Uh, and you could get kind of like toothpaste and you get a little coffee pot thing that like heated up water or whatever. Uh, so you could just have hot water, but it was very minimal. The things that you could get, because again, not set up for long term. 
when you got to prison, you could buy a TV, you could buy a radio, you could buy um, like a shaving kit, you could definitely buy like better razors, uh, two blade, which isn't like all that better, but it's twice as good as the one blade that they gave you, which was in jail, which was the equivalent of just scraping your face off with like a rock and flint. It was horrible. Uh, I'll just mention it now, I guess. Yeah, we only got five minutes to shave every time there was uh, shaving. And it would eat into our uh, like yard time, our rec time, because most of the dickhead COs would like to hold that over us. So the more people that wanted to shave, they'd start it later. So it would, yeah, eat into like our free time. And it was always annoying. Like you knew exactly which COs were being bitches. I'll just put it out there. There were literally COs that just wanted to fuck with you, just wanted to ruin your day, and that's what they would do. Any little thing that they could to just have power over you. So there was one or two that would always start shaving call late. They would eat into our free time. And then if anyone was like, even over a certain decibel level, they wanted our free time to be quiet. Like we'd even get an outlet during free time. So we weren't allowed to be loud. We weren't allowed to like slap dominoes or play checkers loud or even talk loud. And if we got too loud and were warned too many times, that certain CO would lock us down and rob us of our free time. He'd make the people that are getting on the phones, talking to their loved ones, hang up. He'd make the people in the shower get out immediately and not even dry off. So I'm getting on a whole different tangent, but this actually ties into the prison thing. Because that disrespectful nonsense never happened in prison. Or if it did, it was seldom. Most COs on the prison level had at least a modicum of respect because they knew they would get fucked up. There's people in prison that are doing life without. They're not going home. So who are they to give a fuck about taking another person's life? They're already there for maybe multiple murders or whatever. So yeah. They get word that some CEO's hassling one of their gang member homie friends. Yeah, you're getting thrown off the top tier or stabbed. So that shit didn't go down in fucking prison. It was usually only the guards that were at uh, the jails or whatever that seemed to, I don't know, have some attitude problem or whatever. But like the real CEOs, they mostly were just lazy bums in prison. Like they just want to collect a paycheck because they were just overpaid, uh, you know, babysitters. It's true. I mean, the babies would occasionally, you know, try to mutiny and riot, <laughs> as is their won't. Sorry, I just have a little fun here. But they told me, they told me prison is set up long term so you can get all these things. So I had something to wrap my mind around. You know, I had something where I was like, oh, cool. Well, I can at least establish a routine, watch TV, maybe watch some shows. I'm working on my book now, but I can at least continue doing that. I can get a radio, so maybe I can finally get some sleep at night, which I did. I tuned my radio, uh, which got like three channels. It was a piece of shit radio, but that's what I wanted. That's all I needed. I tuned it to white noise. I tuned it to the in-between stations where you don't get any channels, and so I got no signal, and it was just a nice perfect I actually fell in love with that. I still listen to that to this day. Um, so that was one benefit, you know, found a good thing for sleep. But I was also so like exhausted. This is now another aside, but, and it'll definitely be its own episode, but I was so freaking tired in jail that I was uh, starting to like have waking dreams. And also I had a couple lucid dreams, which were just insane, but I'll do a whole dream episode. It's super fun. So, I'd already been told, this is what to expect in prison. This is what will get you through in prison. 
And they did uh, say that there will be some expectations when you go to prison. Like, jail, everyone kind of does their own thing, but more or less, they still fall in with their race. Not as much, but everyone kind of clicks up. I mean, it's just like, that's a human nature thing. But there is the expectation that once you go to prison, hey, this shit's segregated. Like, we might still fuck with each other. We might still, like, talk every now and again. But you don't eat from a different race. You definitely don't use a different race's phone. There's only three phones. You got the, and they're all, they all look the exact same to me, so I don't know how the fuck they chose these things. They're just three phones. They're all really close to each other. They're basically, like, shoulder-width apart. Left phone, black phone. Four blacks, four black people. Middle phone, white phone. Four white people, I guess. And then the last phone was literally just other. That's what they just called people. What it generally was uh, Asians, <laughs> Asian Pacific Islanders, uh, otherwise known as Ooses. That's what uh, kind of colloquially the gang term and group has been dubbed. Um, but like the white stuff gets all sorts of crazy. Like there's tons of different gangs and it depends which gang ran the yard at the time. So yeah, while all whites got to use that phone, if there was like, say for instance, an A-dub, an Aryan warrior, uh, ONS outlaw Nazi skinhead, one of the biker gangs, et cetera, et cetera. Like they more or less owned and operated the phone, like whoever was in power at the time. Same with the black phone. If it was Crips, if it was Bloods, if it was whatever other gang we got out here. Whoever was in power, they controlled that phone. And they could dictate, like, who got to go on that phone. You literally had to fucking check in with whoever, like, the shot caller of that unit was. And then usually you had a guy under him. And right when I first got to this unit, it was a trip. Like, I loaded up a green duffel bag of all my stuff. I was woken up at 3.30 in the morning to get ready to go to prison. I'd had knowledge that I was going to leave because they try to do it really quick. Like you get sentenced and then you have a very quick turnaround. It could be one day. It could be just a handful of days, but they're trying to get you to prison quick. And the reason for that is in case one of your friends tries to spring you during transport. So they don't announce when you're going, but you generally know about when you're going. So they freeze your books, they lock out your account, they make it so you can't make phone calls, and of course people can have a way around that. So I was able to notify family and friends like, hey, I'm going to be going approximately this time. If you don't hear from me for over a month or two, don't worry. Like that is actually on track. Because once you, I guess I'll for the next 10 minutes go in order here. But so I'd have everything packed up, ready to go. I was allowed to bring two books with me. I was allowed to bring my paperwork with me. And so I had all my phone numbers written on the back of my paperwork. But that was pretty much it. You like you had just a tiny little box worth of stuff. Everything was stripped away from you because they were going to give you all new things like your prison clothes, your jeans, your whatever, your little outfit. And then they were going to give you a paper thin pillow, a paper thin blanket and send you on your way. There you go. And the craziest thing, like once you first get into what's known as the fish tank, you have to, you can order stuff, but your books are frozen. So good luck or your accounts frozen. So you can't have access to your money. And then the money that you had in county jail gets held up because it has to transfer. And then you're uh, dependent on the accounting team to do that. 
so thankfully, I had told my cousin ahead of time that I would be transferred. He was able to like keep an eye on my account and then was able to put some money on there. Uh, because when you get to prison, they don't give you the shower slippers like I mentioned earlier. Like jail gives you shower slippers, but prison gives you nothing. They give you like a sad thing of toothpaste, a tiny little toothbrush, a little plastic spork, a little plastic cup, which I got one of the original cups, I guess. Uh, that thing was solid. I had my first cellmate was very jealous that I got the original cup. He said it was perfect for bashing people in the head with. He literally gave me a nice little story where he said uh, the first time he came to prison, he had that cup and he kept hitting his bunkie in the head so many times that there was so much blood, but damn, that thing would not break. Uh, I said, <laughs> I'm keeping mine because he definitely wanted it. Eh. And I was like, oh, no, it's kind of a keepsake. I was kind of like surface level jokey with people and that helped. So I but like I, I definitely entertain people. I didn't want to be quiet. I didn't want to be rude. I didn't want to not like give people the time of day. So I did listen a lot and I definitely engaged because I was just trying to go back and forth and just like pass the time, you know, not offend, just get through. So I get woken up, I get placed in a holding cell. I am with like, I don't know, five, six other people. Um, and then they pair us off. They shackle me to some dude. Uh, and the guy that I'm talking to, uh, he's another white guy that tried to like pair us up with, you know, like person. And so I'm talking to this dude on the way up to prison. And it's, you know, supposed to be about an hour and a half, two hour drive there. And we're talking and he said he'd done time before and I was asking him questions about what to expect and uh, kind of the stuff that, you know, a bunch of other people had already told me while I was in jail. Just kind of get a refresher, kind of ease my nerves. Like we're in motion. The day is here. I've been waiting for this for literally two years. Like, here we go. And so he's just explaining like, yeah, we're going to, you know, get taken up to prison. They'll... um ask us if we're uh, have any gang affiliations, if we want to PC up, which is known as going into protective custody. Uh, he said that's usually for, you know, people with bad paperwork that have either snitching on there, uh, possibly a sex or child offense on there. Uh, just some sort of crime that like, you know, other convicts will fuck you up for. That's why you would go into protective custody. So, um, he was just explaining all these things and whatever. And, uh, you know, everyone else is making small conversation. And uh, I hadn't, I'd only gotten to go on a bus ride, my transport bus to court just a handful of times. Like maybe, let's say like 12 to 15, like, you know, a, a good amount of times over a two year period, however. So I only got to see, I only got to see outside a few times like those handful of times and it was always it was always with a metal grate over the window and I always had like a you know obscured view and it was hard to from that perspective to you know see all those things that I couldn't go back to they were just they were right there you know my friends my family all the things that I loved and cared for were like right there and I just I just, we drove by them every single time and I couldn't do anything about it. And on that trip out away, like the, the prison, it's not like in the middle of town or anything where I'm at. You have to drive some distance. 
And so we're driving out to basically the middle of nowhere. Like we're driving away from all those things. And that's kind of like the beginning of when I had to create that distance. I didn't mention this on a previous episode, but like I couldn't take my friends or family with me. I had to do my time alone. And even if they were there through letters or through phone calls, um, you know, it's just not the same. Like no one could be physically there with me. They might've been in there with, in spirit or in thought. And I felt that at times. I know they loved and cared for me. So that's not what I'm talking about. But I knew it was a journey that I had to complete by myself, physically at least, like in person. And it was rough accepting that. But having, I don't know, I've always had a very like go with the flow attitude. So I had to humbly accept like I put myself here. I did this and I deserve this. And some people have tried to argue against that idea, which is fair. You know, I know they're doing the right thing or uh, the nice thing, but I do deserve to go to prison or did. I probably deserve more time. Um, The family and the judge possibly saw my character and how honestly, like, remorseful I am. But still, what happened happened. So, I got to prison. We had to drop a couple people off at a, uh, it was a minimum, or excuse me, a medium security facility. So, we had to drop a couple people off there. And then I had to go, this was right next door. And then I had to go to the high security slash maximum security prison. This is where everyone basically goes, unless you've already been classified and through the system one time before. But generally, this is like where you go. This is the big the big place. This is where you get classified. This is where you will wait to go down through the levels through either good time or through programming by taking classes. And you will then eventually get to go to either a different level within that uh, high security slash maximum yard, or you will get moved to the medium security facility or possibly a minimum security facility. So it acts as a hub. And that's like the big thing that people want to do. They want to get to a minimum security facility or a camp in order to do whatever that facility has. Uh, I'll discuss that on a different episode because I was fortunate enough to go up to a minimum security facility where I was made into a wildland firefighter. I got to do a whole bunch of other crazy things, which I'll get into much later. But we show up at this prison and holy shit, this is like prison prison this is the movie guys this is when you turn on that movie it's three different walls worth of security the first one is double barbed wire the second one is electrified and the third one is another double barbed wire so just in case you for some odd reason get over the first one you got to get over the electrified thing next and then hopefully you still have something to go over the barbed wire again And then, oh, by the way, you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. So where are you going? Like the nearest highway is probably like, I don't know, seven to eight miles away. And then you're another hundred or so miles away from the like the city that you just, you know, tried to escape from, I guess. So you probably don't want to go back in that direction. But after that, nothing in any other direction, like no major towns, no major anything. So good luck. 
um, it, someone did escape uh, from the medium security facility, the one next door. Uh, like a year ago, they got him. Actually, they end up getting almost every single person I've seen escape, at least from our places. And there's just not that many places to go. But anyhow, so I go to prison. I'm, they unload us. They march us in through uh, what looks like a loading dock area where I'm guessing they uh, receive deliveries for food or for clothes, whatever, the laundry possibly. And then uh, the COs yelled at us. They said they wanted our noses touching the fucking wall. Don't move or I will crack your face against the wall. And I was like, oh my God, this shit is getting real. And the CO that's escorting me, I know not everyone plays video games, but like this guy, Google it. Looks like fucking Duke Nukem. This guy is huge. This guy is like from the 90s stereotypical like massive bro type. Huge guy. Like would probably eat me as a snack. And he's the one threatening to crack her faces against the wall. I'm like, dude, I'm not breaking my beautiful face. So I do, as he says, I refuse to move or blink. And then he asks, does anyone want a PC up? Just take a step back. And the dude that I was talking to and thought I was cool with the whole time steps back to go into protective custody, which tells me something's not good about that dude. Because he just fucking explained to me, you don't go into PC unless you have bad paperwork or you got some bad crimes, whatever. So he did his thing. He got taken away. Another guy got taken away. And then we got put into a holding cell. And one of the black dudes turns to me, he's like, man, I thought you were going to PC up, dog, good for you. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd rather be, uh, you know, in general population than with any of those guys, which is true. Like, I'd, I'd rather be with, like, the general convict because at least they still have some weird code. The other guys, I don't want to be surrounded by child molesters. It's a line, like, I, I don't know. It's so weird, right? Our society, what we, what we will tolerate or what we would prefer. I would prefer to not be there at all. But if I had to choose, I'd rather be with the murderer than the child rapist. Odd choice, huh? Didn't think I'd be faced with that one, but I was. So, I went with the murderers and the people with assault and the people with home invasion and all those other fun things. But... They were okay. I didn't get into it with any of them, except for one. But that's, again, a different story. So after that, I had to go get classified. I sat down with a different correctional officer. They asked me if I had any gang affiliations. No. If I had any tattoos, no. If I, again, wanted to PC up, no. Uh, and it was a very short interview because I didn't really have anything. Uh, they gave me some jeans, asked me my size. They gave me like a blue button up shirt. Uh, they said that I had to have my, I took my photo for my ID. They said that I had to have my ID on me at all times or else, et cetera, et cetera. I could go in the hole, solitary, blah, blah, blah. Um, they gave me, it was more or less like a welcome to prison packet of some general information. Like if you get AIDS, uh, HIV, herpes, all those things. It's mostly like if you get an STD. Uh, and then that was about it. Like I still have some of those papers. And then I also have uh, like the commissary, the store account stuff that you can order. I, just because I thought it was interesting, like how expensive that stuff was. But right after you come out of intake, it, that process takes like hours. Because it's not just you, it's everybody. And they had to, you know, 
medically examine me because I'm taken into the custody now of uh, the state, not the county or the city. And like, it's just a whole process. And I, it's funny. I remember like the woman said, Oh, you have pretty high blood pressure right now. I was like, ma'am, I'm going to prison. (laughs) Like that's totally normal. That has to be the most normal thing. I've been living off the food you've given me for two years, drinking coffee just to try to have a regular bowel movement every week, like literally once a week. And I'm like stressed out of my mind. Of course I have high blood pressure. Um, and the thing I was worried and the reason why I was so adamant about explaining to her that that was just a very normal thing was medically speaking, I could have been held back from going to a minimum security facility. If I was in no condition to later down the road become a wildland firefighter, well, I serve no purpose to the Department of Corrections. So I'm not going to the camp. I'm not going to go get to do those things. They're going to hold me back and give my bed to somebody else. So I was always like, there was always a little bit of fear and trepidation in my head of like the possibility of how things could go because I was given by people like, hey, this is the expectation. You will probably go to camp. However, you may not be. Like you could go to a different facility where DUIers generally go but if you're not medically cleared, like you will basically just be in a prison. And so that scared me. And uh, right after intake, you go outside because now you have to walk to your unit. And prison is huge. It's like a self-enclosed city. It is way bigger than I ever thought it could be. Like you only get to see the movies and you see kind of the yard and you see some sections. And like, no, this was multiple massive buildings at least nine to 12 just buildings for prisoners and that's not counting uh the mess hall or the chow hall or you know where you eat uh where they do all the different things like laundry or create license plates or do whatever other little in-house jobs type things that got going on it's a massive place absolutely huge but right when we step outside of intake that little administrative office I saw a bunch of crosses and graves from people that had died in prison and had nowhere else to go. So they buried them there. And that was fucked up to me. Like they literally never got out. So that burned its image into my head. Love to see that every now and again. Um, But I got led to my unit. It was considered the fish tank because that's where you got classified. And, uh, it was horrible. Like <laughs> I got brought in and it was kind of funny because there was like the cat calls like new fish, like, oh, that's new blood, all, all this like yelling and cat calling and just funny stuff. Uh, like I literally laughed. Like it's just such a surreal experience, you know, because you I, I, when I said it was just like the movies, it was. So maybe how insane and surreal it was, maybe it was disarming because of that. Maybe I was able to meet it with humor at every turn. And because of that, uh, people just saw me, I don't know, as like non-threatening kind of, he's just there. He's part of the background. Um, But like the fish tank, there's really not much to do in there. You don't get to leave. You get a shower every three to four days and they bring the phone to your cell. You got to hope that one, it's not brought to you after midnight because that does happen literally at a time when no one would answer the freaking phone 
or get a phone that's completely dead and then you just lose your turn. So uh, that happened a couple times. I was able to get one phone call in like by day six or seven and then I wasn't able to get another phone call in until like day 20 and then around day 22 or day 24, I finally was brought out of the fish tank and classified into my actual unit, uh, which that'll be a good pause point like right there once I get the actual unit because then I'll go into prison stories. But I'd heard someone screaming in the fish tank that they'd been there for months. Like they, no one was telling them what was going on. They couldn't get a caseworker. They were just lost in the system somewhere like for months just in the fish tank. And the fish tank is horrible because, like, even if you somehow got a TV, which you won't because it takes months to buy and order a TV, but if somehow you got that, there's no cable. Like, there's nothing in there that you can use. The most you can do is get your little uh, hot water pot, and then you can make, like, some coffee or have some hot water. That's about it. But otherwise, there's nothing to do in the fish tank. People are ripping up books and, like, passing chapters around and slipping them under the doors uh, through the porters which are the people in the fish tank uh, that are chosen to clean and feed us and all that stuff. So uh, that's a good place to end. Like prison, it was an absolute trip. Uh, I'll start going into proper prison stories from there. But my first day, I had the cell to myself. I had the cell to myself. And while people were yelling and loud and outside, I just was able to, you know, kind of quietly just get inside of myself and just be humble, you know, be like, this is the journey that I have to take and I will just face it head on because I brought this upon myself and I'm the only one that will get myself through. People can help me, people can support me and people can love me, which they absolutely did but I'm the only one that can do this. And thankfully I was able to. And if for some reason you find yourself going to prison, I'm going to let you know you can do it too. But you probably aren't. Hopefully you were able to get something out of this, uh, even if it's just a better understanding of my perspective. Thank you for tuning in to The Road Less Traveled. My name is DB, and thank you for listening.